0: Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a minigun toting spec op soldier who ain't got time to believe. With me once again is my good friend and a coach from Vanguard Tactics, the only man that walked out of the jungles of Cambodia with me, someone I trust to always pick up my minigun if I fall. He is the Mac. To my Blaine, Mr. Michael Costello. Mike, how's it going?
1: Oh, it's going great! Tenth uh, edition is finally here, um, and uh, I can't wait to dive into the front runners, the poster boys of the forty-first millennium, the Space Marines.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got we got Tyranids done. Now we got to check off the number two from from the big old Leviathan box, uh, and we will definitely talk about a lot of those those new models today. Um, but before we get into all that, um, a huge thanks again to Games Workshop for sending us all uh, preview copies of all the indexes. Uh, these episodes would not be possible without GW's trust and confidence in us to bring you in this information, uh, without leaking it like a sieve elsewhere on the internet. Looking at some of you websites that shall go unnamed, uh, but anyway, uh, so thanks to GW for trusting us, and uh, we we continue to try to earn that that trust and confidence. Uh, before we get into talking about our topic today, uh, we're gonna let's hear from our first sponsor, The Outpost.
2: The Competitive Forty K Podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting the Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in-store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, the Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store.
0: All right, we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to uh, like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review if you would be so kind. Uh, We are obviously uh, working hard to put out all of these um, uh, episodes uh, back-to-back for you guys so you can get all this information about all these indexes coming out uh, as quickly as we can get them to you. Uh, But uh, in the meantime, uh, please don't hesitate to give us uh, your honest and and, uh, open thoughts about uh, how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Um, Also, a quick note. If I sound a little off it is did you do not have to worry about adjusting your radio or playback device? Uh, I have a little bit of a head cold so that's just me. Um, all right now uh, let's uh, start talking about some space Marines um, Mike what what can I mean besides obviously like you said the poster boys of of uh, Warhammer 40k and and you know usually I think the first army most people get into playing what expectations should people have about um, Space Marines in this edition?
1: So Space Marines are kind of your, um, you can expect them to deal with most things. Um, you know, you've got three plus saves across the whole army, relatively elite, but still bringing all of the tools available uh, in the shed. So you've got great anti- anti-vehicle anti stuff in there. You've got shooting, you do combat, um, you can do a bit of everything. Uh, and you can expect this army to be probably the most tactically flexible army in the game. Awesome.
0: All right, so let's let's get into it. What is I know there was this was already previewed um, on Warcom quite a while ago, but just for those few people that, that didn't get a chance to to catch it sooner, what's the army rule for Space Marines?
1: All right, so the army rule is Oath of Moment. Um, and what this means is, in your command phase, you can pick an enemy unit, just an enemy unit, uh, and then your entire army will get to reroll any hits and any wounds against that target until the start of your next command phase which is pretty awesome. good
0: yeah that is pretty good just pick something and say i want that dead yeah and your army exactly can make it that out.
1: exactly that and there's a couple of ways you can look at this either you pick the the most dangerous target in your opponent's army um, straight away or maybe you want to take down two different units um but one of those units you wouldn't normally be able to kill with the assets you've got in that side of the board but with oath of moment it just pushes your efficiency just enough to get rid of that unit in addition to maybe you know 1500s of your uh, points of your army going in the other way yeah yeah i like the fact that it's going to
0: make even stuff like bolter fire that much more efficient for you yeah so all right, and then uh, there's a note in the index cards for you know for those who who haven't had a chance to to download the index cards. By the time this comes out, you guys should have had plenty of time to download the Space Marines index cards. Um, the there's a quick note about Space Marine chapters. Obviously, in this edition, I don't. It seems like from what we've been told on Warcom, and Mike and I don't have any information to, to contradict this. But um, chapters of, with some exceptions, like Blood Angels, Dark Angels, you know the usual suspects. Most Chapters are not going to likely get their own codex or their own supplement, but there is. But in in this in these index cards, a lot of them have a a secondary faction keyword of Ultramarines or Imperial Fists or Raven Guard or what have you. And so, for those that do, um, you cannot include units from more than one chapter in your army. So if they've got that secondary faction keyword, um, that's their chapter, and you can't mix them. So no putting Marnius Calgar and Darnath, Lysander, in the same army list. Um, all right, so detachment rule, like just like in the last edition, they the space marines have combat doctrines, but they're very different in this edition.
1: Right, Mike? That is right, combat doctrines. Now, in each of your command phases, you can pick a combat doctrine to be active for your army. Um, you don't have to pick one, though. Uh, so there's three of them, uh, and you can only use each one once per game. So once you pick one, you can now choose one of the other two or just not have one that battle round. The first of these is the Devastator Doctrine. And this allows all the uh, the units in your army um, to still be eligible to shoot after they've advanced. Okay. So this is great for getting firing lines uh, on enemy units. Maybe you've got some uh, repulsor executioners or some um, long-range vehicles that are a little bit slower. You can try and get line of sight around some of the terrain that is on the board, Uh, and this is great for that. It's also great if you've got a slower unit, uh, like maybe Terminators, that have good ranged attack, um, and you want them to be as efficient as possible but also get them further up the battlefield uh, in the same turn. So pop that on there. They're going to get an extra uh, D6 move, and they'll still be firing at full efficiency. The next doctrine is the tactical doctrine. Uh, this one allows your units to fall back and still be eligible to shoot and charge. This is kind of like a, I see this as a get out of jail free card um, at some point during the game. Um, you know, space marines have a lot of very very powerful shooting uh, units. So having those be tied up. The new Infernus Marines, for example, don't really punch in combat, um, but being able to fall back and just shoot with all those torrent weapons uh, is going to be great for the game. Um, So this, yeah, you use this at the right moment. um, It's going to be devastating. Yep. And then Assault Doctrine. Assault Doctrine is the last one. uh, And this allows your units to advance and charge. So um, cool. Something in there for everybody. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this uh, strong again on your Terminators, um, even on your faster units, especially strong on any units that can um, automatically advance a certain distance without having to roll, like, for example, Outriders. And maybe we'll chat about them a bit later too. Maybe, possibly. I want to have
0: some few thoughts about Outriders, which look really cool, but we'll get to that. Uh, all right. So we will get back to stratagem and enhancements at the end, um, just like in, in previous editions uh for now uh we're gonna take a quick uh, time out though to hear from our second sponsor of today a colorforge
2: the competitive 4k podcast is supported by colorforge i found colorforge 18 months ago and was blown away by the quality of the product i've always had an incredible finish not too thick not too chalky and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to citadel base colors, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products.
0: All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Do not forget to come sign up uh, and join into the competitive Warhammer 40K community Facebook uh, group. Uh, the password for uh, this month is going to be Drago, as in uh, the guy from the Grey Knights. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to spell check you. Steve's not going to spell check you. Um, just spell it as best you can, and uh, we will let you into the group. Just don't forget to answer all four of those questions. Uh, all right. Now, as as one expects from uh, the this a, anything cataloging Space Marine data sheets, we are not possibly unless we'd went for three and a half hours. I don't think we could cover everything in this in all these index cards there is a 122 data cards in this set we're not getting all of them um, but Mike and I are gonna try try to uh to hit some highlights he and I went back and forth and and, and pulled out to some of the ones we think are definitely worth mention um and first and foremost obviously we got to talk about the avenging son himself uh Robo Gilliman Bobby G himself Mike you want to uh to, to, to give us your thoughts on Bobby G
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I do want to preface this by saying that all of the named characters for Ultramarines, White Scars, Imperial Fists, Iron Hands, all of the codex compliant ones are in these index cards. But you won't see any characters from the Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, Death Watch, any of those chapters. Um, So, of course, we have Reboot Gilliman, the Primarch of the Ultramarines. now, he comes in at toughness 9, a 2 plus save, and 10 wounds, uh, which is uh, as tough as a rhino, um, and he's going to be uh, very difficult to kill. Um, so he's got a 4 plus invin as well. Uh, he kicks out um, some very dangerous combat. Uh, so, uh, as you might well imagine, the Emperor's Sword's uh, pretty devastating, and of course has the devastating wounds keyword. with 14 attacks, uh, damage 2. That is nasty. Um, now, This guy's got some other fantastic abilities. So while he's within three inches of um, one or more friendly uh, Space Marine Infantry units, he gets the lone operative ability, which means you can't shoot him unless you're within 12 inches of him. Okay, now this guy, Gilliman doesn't lead a unit, so this is key to keeping him alive. So make sure you've got like a tough unit next to him um, to to keep him going with his lone operative ability. Uh, In addition, the first time he's destroyed, um, you roll a dice at the end of the phase and on a three plus, he gets back up as close as possible, um, uh, but not within engagement range with six wounds left out of his ten. Um, So also pretty strong. Keep him around. And you will want to keep him around uh, because he has the author of the Codex rule. So in his command phase, um, you can pick until the next command phase one of three abilities. Uh, The first one uh, is that while you have a Space Marines unit within six inches of him, they get plus one to their OC characteristic so they can hold objectives better. And you can reroll any Battleshock tests and leadership tests taken for that unit. Uh, and Battleshock is obviously devastating this addition. Then we have um, Supreme Strategist. So once per turn, you can target a friendly Space Marines unit within 12 with a stratagem for zero command points. And you can do so even if another unit from your army has already been targeted with that stratagem. Um, This ability is incredible Um, in this edition. You only get one command point at the start of each player's uh, command phase. Uh, So this this goes a very, very long way. However, the icing on the cake is the master of battle ability. After you've selected an enemy unit using the Oath of Moment ability, select a second enemy unit. Until the start of your next command phase, if the first unit selected has been destroyed, each time a Space Marines unit targets that second unit, you can reroll the hit roll and the wound roll.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. I just in case I, you know, as a fallback, after I'm done destroying this unit, I'm going to shift fire and destroy that unit too. Really, mm. it makes the oath of moment go a whole lot farther. And again, it really breathes into that tactical flexibility for the Ultramarines. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, when I read that (laughs) one, I was like, oh, how is he not an (laughs) auto-take?
1: All right, well, um, let's carry on with the Ultramarines. Why not? Um, And we'll see who's backing him up. Um, So we have Calgar, Marnius Calgar, the chapter master of the Ultramarines. Um, Now, he is a leader um, and, interestingly, comes with two Victrix on a guard. So um, him and his two buddies can join a vast um, choice of units, uh, including but not limited to uh, things like aggressors, blade guard veterans, um, stern guard, uh, and so on. Um, So you can build a really, really deadly combat ball uh, with Marnius Calgar in the middle. Um, Now, if he's leading a unit, that unit is eligible to shoot and declare a charge in a turn in which it advanced or fell back. He does what he wants is what that's telling me.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go where I want, and I'm going
1: to do what I want. Yeah. Um, And he's got like damage three power fists as well, um, which is really nasty. Uh, If he's on the table um, at the start of the command phase, then you get a command point. Excellent. So you're essentially increasing your command points by 50%. Um, And then whilst uh, there are any Victrix on a guard uh, in the unit, Kalgar has the Feel No Pain uh, 4-plus ability. And this is really useful against snipers or anything with the precision um, keyword because it means that when they're allocating runes to Kalgar, um, he has uh, an extra save on top of um, his already considerably defensive uh, profile.
0: Yeah. And this is the only... I I I think... I mean, there's a lot of data cards when I was going through all this, but this is the only way that, to get Victrix Guard anymore, right? There's there's no separate entity, uh, entry for, for Victrix Honor Guard anymore. This is it
1: yeah sadly that is true um so if you do have spare victrix guard because i know they were good in previous editions um you could always use them as blade guard um or something like that um so yeah. yeah i think it'd be quite good at cool actually to have him and uh with a blade guard veteran squad and just use victrix guard for all of them That'd yeah cool yeah you could use too. the
0: same models yeah that that would that would look cool too so all right moving on from the ultramarines obviously every other ultramarine special character you can think of is in here from uriel Ventress to to sergeant cronus they're all back in one way shape or form um we will leave it to you guys to check them out but moving on to a different chapter one close to my heart uh we got to talk about some imperial fists here because you know these no one really saw them most people forgot they even existed in ninth edition um but both tor garadon and darnath lysander are back and i gotta say lysander in particular looking very strong
1: yeah it's about time uh, it's about yeah. time some of these name characters came back into the game um uh lysander obviously now toughness five um because he's a terminator he's rolling in with five attacks hitting on two strength ten minus three flat three damage devastating wounds so any of his sixes to wound are just going to inflict three mortals oof that's um that's spicy and he can lead surprise surprise terminators of of all varieties Uh, and while he's leading a unit if the strength characteristic of an attack against that unit is equal to um, or greater than the toughness of the unit which would be five then you subtract one from the wound roll
0: which that rule right there just, I mean, anything that's strength five or higher attacking them is minus one to wound. Go for it. Oh, you have a strength 16 railgun shot or something? Don't care. Yeah, you're you're still minus one to wound us, which is just fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's a, a mad rule. Absolutely mad rule. It's almost akin to just... You're never gonna wound them on anything better than a four at a certain point, right? Um and yeah. strength five weapons particularly suffer against this unit, um, because they'll be wounding on, on fives. Uh which is yeah. yeah, that's that's really tough.
0: Heavy bolters wounding on fives, that's I mean mm. that's a statement.
1: But, you know, you could kill the entire Terminator retinue that he's got. Yeah. Um, and then could. maybe it's time <laughs> for his rampart ability. <laughs> yep okay so once per battle at the start of any phase this model can use this ability if it does until the end of the phase it has a two plus invulnerable save
0: yes yes you heard that right ladies and gentlemen Lysander once per battle at the start of any phase gets a two plus invulnerable save so if you manage to work your way through all of the terminators that are his bodyguard unit and he's out there a man without a country he's going to switch on his two plus invulnerable save just, I mean, yeah, yeah that dude's going to be unshiftable. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing him on the table.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then uh, not quite as cool, but still, I think, very, very cool and still ha- having a lot of option is Tor-Garadon. Um, I love the model for this guy. I love painting up for my Imperial Fist army. Um, he's got his uh, Artificer Grav gun again, which has the Anti-Vehicle 2+. plus. So he's wounding all vehicles on a two plus uh, for his uh, ranged attack. It's only two attacks, but he's hitting on twos. It's strength five, minus one AP, two damage. Eh, that's okay, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. He also has his hand of defiance again, his giant mega power fist. Um, five attacks, two plus weapon skill, strength 12, AP two, two damage. All right. I mean, it's it's cool and all, but... But what it, really, it feels like it's missing something. Maybe his Siege Captain ability, which each time this model makes an attack that targets a monster vehicle or fortification unit, improve the strength, armor, and damage characteristics of that attack by two. So his Oof. Hand of Defiance goes to four, strength 14, AP 4, damage 4. That against any monster or vehicle. I would like to um, uh, very much punch a, a, maybe a Demon Primark with that. And see <laughs> yeah. what happens.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, even, it even affects his Grav gun. Um, so yeah. He gets any vehicle two plus. He's just wounded on twos. Um, and then his AP three damage four. At range. Yeah. That's max At range. Yes. So,
0: and he, um, I like the fact that he can join aggressor squads, eradicator squads, and heavy intercessor squads. Mm. Um, and they all bet, you know, whatever squad he joins benefits from his signum array ability, which is. While this model is leading a unit ranged weapons equipped by models in that unit have the lethal hits and ignores cover abilities. So obviously nice. you're going to want, if you want to benefit from that signum array, you want to, uh, you know, to really get the most out of those lethal hits, you want something that's going to put out a volume of fire and what more, what better thing to put out a volume of fire than bolt storm aggressors. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So anyway, I I'm, I'm very excited. There are, uh, uh you know, every, Pedro Cantor, Iron Father Pharaohs, Kaivon Shrike, they're all in these cards. You guys will we're gonna let you guys go through them all. Um, you know, at but your They're all good. Uh, at your, yeah, they're all good. At your leisure. I say that
1: now. They're all good. Yeah.
0: There's not really a yeah, I don't know that there's really a bad character in here. So it's just gonna kind of come down to, you know, what's your flavor and what, what you're in the mood to do. And I think that's that's one of the best things about these index cards, and we as you're gonna you guys are gonna see and hear in a minute. There's so much flexibility in space marine, so many options for to build into your play style that there really isn't a wrong way to go. Yeah. Especially in the early days before any sort of a meta shakes out um, in tournament play. So yeah. anyway, uh, now one thing there is a surfeit of in these index cards is captains. There, there are yeah. so many captains. It's hard to keep track of them all. Um, yeah. Mike, you just want to summarize um, what captains
1: do. Basically, yeah, I think uh, so. A captain's going to become an auto include, I think, in any Space Marine army. Um, they have the rights of battle ability, uh, which is similar to one we saw on Gilliban earlier. So, once per battle round, one unit from your army with this ability can be targeted by a stratagem for zero CP, even if another unit from your army has already been targeted by that stratagem this phase. Okay, so obviously, a huge variety of captains here. You can slot them into basically any unit you can think of um, to take advantage of this. Um, I personally. Um, would like to cover the Captain Gravis armor whose extra ability, so all of these have a second ability, is that it halves incoming damage. Um, and the Gravis Captain is tough with six with six wounds and a three up save. Um, and you could potentially look at the enhancements when we get to them uh, and stick that on this guy as well. But uh, yeah, Captains, um, you're going to see them uh, a lot and they are very good. Yeah, there's yeah, and there's
0: so many different versions. I I, I want to talk about all of them, but we just don't have the time. No, Um, the new Captain and Terminator uh, armor model is just a cool looking model. Um, And you guys and just so you guys know, his special ability above everything else is he's got the Imperium sword. So you can reroll charge rolls made for his unit. So obviously stick him in a Terminator squad and, you know, deep strike him in and you can reroll a charge roll for him. So. And again, very strong, very flexible play possible there. Another cool thing that that um, I wanted to make sure we touch on. Um, obviously, um, lieutenants, you know, the running gag is there's, there's a lieutenant for, for every, uh, every holiday. There's, there's one for every season, um, that, that still maintains the, to, to be the consistent rule. Um, but what, you know, there for all the lieutenants, how many did you actually see in play last edition? Well, you might see some more of this game, uh, intent, uh, because they have a unique ability on top of all of their, just much like the captain's. The captains have, you know, you know, they all have. They all, all the lieutenants have their tactical precision ability, um, which, while this model's leading a unit, weapons equipped by models that unit have the lethal hits ability. So, critical hits, sixes to hit, will give you automatic wounds. That's really cool. And then, of course, they all have their additional special secondary ability, which is cool. But there's something else that's in the fine print on the second on the back side of the card um, that some people might have missed. You can attach this, remember, the the leader rule in 10th edition says you can only have one character join a bodyguard unit, but for every rule, there's an exception, right? So in this case, the exception is for most of the lieutenants, there's only one lieutenant that doesn't have this rule. Most of the lieutenants, you can attach this model to one of the above units, even if one captain or chapter master model has already attached to it. If you do, and that bodyguard unit is destroyed the leader unit's Attached to become separate units with their original starting strengths, yada, yada, yada. So you can have a captain and a lieutenant both together in the same squad. You can have a captain and a lieutenant together in a blade guard veteran squad. Or, you know, Fair. whatever other units they're allowed to legally join. So I think that's super cool. You can really stack up abilities and come up with some really fancy combos.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, to Agreed. That. Um, and I think on that note, it's also worth mentioning that um, there are a few other characters that, that have similar rules. So um, your apothecaries can can join units that already have captains in them, and, and your ancients as well. Um, so it's 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 nice to see that yes, there are a million character data sheets with the Space Marines, but you can actually use quite a lot of them, uh, and a lot of them, well, a fair few of them, in the same unit, um, which leads to some very very uh, thematic units. Absolutely. Um, all right, and speaking of apothecary, why don't you tell everybody about the
0: new apothecary, the apothecary of Biologis, which which he's the, the apothecary in Gravis armor, as some might want to refer to him as.
1: Yeah, this guy's really cool. Uh, more scientist than apothecary, uh, as seems to be the saying with this guy. Um, so uh, important to note, Gravis units are toughness six. Um, this, that's tougher than a term. that's That's, yeah. That is some, a strength in its own. Um, yeah, this guy gives uh, your unit lethal hits. Uh, a bit like a lieutenant. Um, so it's almost like a lieutenant uh, for Gravis, in, in a way, because one of those doesn't yet exist. I'm sure we'll see it. Um, and then has the Vivis Spectrum. Uh, so if the model's unit destroys an enemy unit uh, in melee until the end of the battle, this model has an objective control characteristic of nine. Okay, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, it makes sense to put this guy in an aggressor squad, perhaps. Yeah, pretty much. Um, charge towards an objective, kill a unit in melee. This could be the difference between taking an objective off your opponent and not. Is just killing that unit and getting OC nine on this guy. Yeah, and then
0: with the toughness of six on a on a on a full size six man aggressor squad, and this uh, this biologist and maybe even a, a captain too. And Gravis armor all in was one big squad camping out on a midboard objective, saying, All right, we're here. Shift us, go ahead and try. And if that apothecary biologist is adding an OC of nine, they're gonna have a hard time flipping. If they can't kill you off it, they may, you know, they can't just OC you off of it either. So yeah. I think that's a great ability.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. Um and then if there are any of the name characters that are captains they might have the captain or chapter master keyword uh, and then you can actually attach this to the same squad um so for example tor garagon tor garadon's got the captain keyword so you could have a apothecary biologist with him and some aggressors um uh, and likewise with uh, uh Calgar, who's the chapter master uh, so you've got some big character combos you can do there
0: absolutely uh all right so next unit we wanted to talk about was um you know obviously all the the, the normal troops types are back but i wanted to to, to highlight really quickly the assault intercessors um, because they are just what you remember. They're just as intercessors with bolt pistols and chain, heavy bolt pistols and chain swords. Um, they still have the option to, you know, give a guy a thunder hammer, um, give the sergeant a hand flamer or a plasma pistol. Um, but their shock assault ability is, I think very cool mm. um, yeah. because it, 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 points to a lot of units in the game now are going to have this ability where it does one thing in the rest of the table, but if you're doing it at somebody standing on an objective or if you're doing it on an objective, it's going to become more efficient for you. So the Assault Intercessor's Shock Assault ability is each time a model in this unit targets an enemy unit with a melee attack, re-roll a wound roll of one. But if that enemy unit is within range of an objective marker, You can re-roll, you can do full wound re-rolls. So I dig that. I like, and and full re-rolls with, you know, Chainswords when each guy's got, you know, four attacks, a squad of five, let alone a squad of 10, is going to put out a massive amount of attacks. And with doing full re-rolls, you got a good chance of killing some stuff.
1: Yeah, 100%. I like these. Uh, And I actually think um, it's nice to see the troop-style units um, have a role in the army, uh, even though um there's less restrictions on army building in 10th edition
0: yeah there's a lot of good reason to you know in the past it was the the joke was always oh it's the troop tax in this edition i don't think it's going to be quite as much of a tax you're going to want a lot of those units not just for their better oc but because they've got some really good useful abilities especially if you're taking objectives yeah uh regular intercessors i think are the ones that have the sticky objective Ability. that's right. right yeah
1: so if they're on an objective in the command phase and you control it then then it will remain under your control even if they leave the objective until your opponent takes it off you uh, another handy ability with a sort of more elite army like space marines
0: yeah or even if they get killed off the objective all right yeah. you might shoot somebody off an objective but if you didn't come melee them off of it and they were the last one standing on it still still a space marine player's objective so yeah um, nice yeah i think it's very cool all right now i may break some hearts here. But we have to talk about it. Um, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Desolation Marines are still here. They're still around. They still mm. have indirect fire. Um, uh, Mike, have Desolation Marines changed in any way that can can bring some sunlight into people's lives?
1: Um, and not a huge amount, unfortunately. Uh, so AP's reduced a little uh, on some of their guns. Uh, well, you know, by one on pretty much all their guns. Uh, but these guys are still a menace uh, on the battlefield um all of their castland launchers launches a blast um with indirect fire um so that's the, the, no ap at strength four no ap one damage um and then you've got the super frag and super crack so if they can see um and these are heavy but they normally hit on fours so um hitting on threes if they can see strength 10 ap2 d6 plus one damage that's you know having the multi-purpose there in the one unit still just as good as they they have been in, in previous editions, uh, and then the sergeant can have a venger launcher, which is indirect fire blast, d six shots hits on twos, um, so with the indirect debuff would hit on threes. More on that in a moment. Uh, At strength seven, AP one two damage, but here's the kicker: um, indirect fire normally means that you're minus one to to hit and your opponent gets the benefits of cover against those attacks Um, but obviously you can shoot something you can't see these guys have the special targeter optics which means that each time this unit remains stationary um, their range weapons gain ignores cover and they can ignore the penalty to their hit rolls uh, when firing with indirect fire weapons um, against targets they can't see so they basically if they stay still they counteract the indirect rule and because their guns are heavy they get plus one to hit. Yeah oof
0: basically they're still going to be at least to to, to start off they're going to still going to be the bane that they've been in the tail end yeah. of night they're still going to yeah. be standing back hiding out in objectives and lobbing indirect fire at people and yeah. because they completely they completely ignore the the penalty for firing indirect so yeah you're going to want some way to some way somehow to clear them off and it might be Just sending in a you know some kind of melee unit, fast melee unit to get on their face and clean them out real quick.
1: Yeah, or bring your Um, own indirect. Um, Yeah, or
0: bring your own indirect. You know, whether it's nasty
1: stuff out there. Um, Yeah, your
0: own your own desolation marines or you know something else from from some other faction to to indirect fire the bejesus out of them.
1: Absolutely, or maybe uh, even an aircraft um, could be a shout. Just yes, which I think we need to. On. We
0: we should definitely touch on aircraft because aircraft, the aircraft are, are going to be, uh, interesting. I feel like yeah. we could see a resurgence of aircraft, uh, but we'll yeah. get to that in a minute. So, um, one of the units you wanted to talk about, Mike, um, was guard Veterans.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so these guys are um, they're pretty hot. Uh, they're uh, yeah. So obviously they've come in the Leviathan box set in um, uh, these beautiful new models now uh, and they have uh, a couple of different weapon options um, the first one of these is the combi weapon um, which is is likely to be very popular uh, initially uh, though i favor the other option the combi weapon uh, is rapid fire one so uh, at t- it's 24 inch range so at 12 inches it's going to have two shots it's got the anti-infantry four plus plus um special rule which means that any of the fours to wound are going to count as sixes to wound and therefore automatically and therefore always successfully wound but in addition to that they've got devastating wounds now what that means is that if they shoot an infantry unit then on every four to wound they inflict mortal wounds equal to the damage of the weapon which is one so you can imagine 10 of these guys uh, within 12 inches of an enemy unit um it's going to shoot, and then on all of their fours, uh, if the target's infantry, they're just going to do mortal wounds. Um, so, that is, you know, on a very, very good day, 20 mortal wounds potentially on an enemy infantry unit, um, which is pretty nasty. Um, uh, their other gun is slightly different. It doesn't have the anti infantry part, but it does have more shots uh, and is better at hitting. The combi weapons do only hit on a four plus. But, David, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Stern Guard veterans have the Bolter drill special rule. So once per battle, in your shooting phase, after they've shot, if they killed any enemy units, they can just shoot again.
0: Which would seem to pair well with uh, Rabot Gilliman's um, special ability with that, with yeah, choosing a second target for oath at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I can see these guys going on people's shopping lists pretty quick um yeah, yeah excellent all round unit um even in combat they they hit relatively hard, uh so yeah stern guard veterans looking very good, and actually one of the units that pretty much all of the primaris characters can actually join, so stern guard very strong
0: yeah, very strong and then the one the the standout unit that I wanted to talk about um because s- deep in my in my death watch loving heart, there's a part of me that really loves the, the uh, white scars I gotta talk about the outrider squads. Because now, guess what, guys? Outrider squads can now go up to six models in a squad. No more of this, oh, nope, three's all you get. That's it. Sorry, just just a little chintzy scout. No, you can have a squad of six of them now. And that six after the six, you can still add in as well. Uh, an, you, you, as an additional unit, you can add in one Invader ATV. So you want some, It's it's much like the bike squads of old with an attack bike attached. Now you can do the similar thing with Outriders also. With an Invader ATV, you can have, you know, I think the minimum squad's three. Minimum squad size is three. The Invexer Invader ATV is a, you know, you can have it three, you can have it four, you can have it five. You can go all the way up to six models with your outriders, which I think is fantastic. Um, and the uh, outrider um, special ability is Turbo Boost. They got, uh, auto advance six, which that was their rule before too, so nothing new there. The Invader ATV has a, it's his special rule is, um, if another Adeptus Astartes mounted unit, meaning another bike unit is, is with is nearby and gets targeted with an attack. The invader ATV can out of sequence shoot back at the unit that shot at the other unit. So the invader's not going to shoot at his own, you know, if if his own unit gets shot at, he's not going to do this. But if another nearby unit, I think it's within 12, I don't have the data card up right now. I believe it's within 12, um, gets shot at, and it's a mounted unit he can fire back at whoever's fighting shooting at his friends. So you can get some nice supportive fire that way. But the best part for me is one of the characters we skipped over. One of my favorite models of all time, the chaplain on bike, shockingly, he can lead a bike squad or an outrider squad. And if he is leading a squad, all of the, much like the captains and lieutenants have one fixed ability. All the chaplains have the litany of hate ability. I know it sounds familiar. Uh, this is, while this model is leading a unit, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, add one to the wound roll. So now nice. all of your outriders with their chainsaws have plus one to wound. Very good. And it gets better. Catechism of Fire. Each time this model's unit is selected to shoot, you can select one enemy unit within 12 inches of invisible to this model. Until the end of the phase, ranged weapons equipped by models in this model's unit have devastating wounds. So now you're, you're putting out... You have the potential, especially if you have this six-man Outrider squad with an invader attached with, I don't know, maybe an Onslaught Gatling cannon mounted on top, can put out a bunch of fire and theoretically do some devastating wounds. And then they're going to charge, get into melee, and they're going to get plus one to wound. Yeah, That just, it's so cool. It makes me so happy.
1: Imagine rolling a six to wound with a multimeter on the ATV. Uh, oh well, with that devastating wounds triggered, that'd be that would be yeah. even sillier. Spicy. yeah, yeah,
0: very. Yeah. I was just 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 thinking of the uh, the twin bolt rifles on all the bikes, yeah. plus that that onslaught gallon cannon putting out a whole bunch of shots. You're gonna yeah. get a few mortal wounds through. Yeah, so yeah, oh, Agreed. love it, love it. Just makes me want to start a White Scars yeah. army.
1: I do want um, to clarify, um, just yeah. quickly though that um, you take the a- the ATV as part of the Outrider squad, as you said. Um, you wouldn't use the data card for the ATV on the one that's in the squad. Um, That would be used for an ATV squad that is separate, if that makes sense. Um, So they've just kind of condensed both onto the same data card. Um, Yeah, so uh, it's still uh, fantastic because you could have these guys running around and then a squad of ATVs as well um, with onslaught Gatling cannons, which have devastating wounds. So you could just be running around with all of the devastating wounds uh, mounted on bikes. Yeah. Very good. Love it. All
0: right. So, uh, and then moving on, um, while we're while we're going fast and furious here, uh mm-hmm. no pun intended. Uh or maybe a pun intended, it was just subconscious. Uh Storm Speeders.
1: Storm speeders, strikes, yeah.
0: thunder strikes. Uh yeah. they can all deep strike now.
1: Yeah, all land speeders um, can deep strike, which is cool. Which is very cool. Uh what else um did you do you think people need to know about um okay the storm speeders? So uh, this is where the Spice comes in. So the Hail Strike has an ability um, where after it's shot, um, you can pick one of the enemy units that um, was hit by one of more of its attacks. uh, And until the the end of the phase, each time a friendly spaceman unit targets that unit with a ranged attack, um, you increase the AP of that attack by one. So you basically light up an enemy unit and then the rest of your army gets an extra AP on all of their shots against that target. Nice. Very, very nice. Uh, and then you want to pair that even further with the thunder strike. So after the thunder strike's shot, you can select one enemy monster or vehicle unit that was hit um, by any of its attacks. And until the end of the phase, uh, your friendly spacer units that target that unit will get plus one to their wound roll. So land speeders in the new tenth edition index are sort of like a support um, buffing unit. They're going to shoot something, maybe do a bit of damage, um, but then they'll they'll buff the rest of your army against that target, which of course works very very well um, with Oath of Moment on those targets.
0: Uh, And then the the basic Land Speeder has an ability much like it used to, where it um, gives you uh, it gives a target ignores cover, um, and if you're uh, and anything that has uh, a blast weapon. The targets an enemy and add one to the hit roll and give it ignores cover. So you're basically supporting whirlwinds mm. like you used to as well as, but now it's broader. It'll help. It'll support a lot of other things, including sadly, um, cause it'll add one to the hit roll. You could pair a land speeder with desolator Marines and okay. then, you know? Yeah. Sorry. I said that out loud, but you know, yeah. it, there it is.
1: Don't tell anyone.
0: So Yeah. That guy, I didn't say this
1: where anybody's going to hear it. Um, Let's distract them with a giant tank. (laughs) Well, before we get to a giant
0: tank, um, I got to say just one cool thing about um, Inceptors. Inceptors now, when they deep strike, can be set up anywhere on the battlefield that is more than three inches horizontally away from an enemy unit. Um, And if they do that, then they're not eligible to declare a charge. So they have their meteoric descent rule. So if you want, you can have a squad of up to six Inceptors uh, deep strike in with assault bolters or plasma pistol. They're plasma exterminators, and go ham at three inch range. So yeah,
1: kind of like that's that. That's great. Um, good implications for the tactical missions. Um, for doing maybe things in different parts of the board, you can just drop down, even though your enemy's trying to screen it, uh, and then then score some points in that
0: area. Oh yeah, good call. Uh, all right. Um, a quick note about dreadnoughts. They're all in there. They're all still very cool. The ballistas and the Brutalis are in here now too of course the 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 newer two dreadnoughts that we got um in the last few months uh and the only the 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 big change everybody just should know about because you know dreadnoughts were so ubiquitous in ninth is dreadnoughts no longer have damage reduction so that may i think that might they're still very tough and obviously their their toughness values and wounds have all gone up but it just seems to me like without damage reduction we might see people shy away from them and move into other stuff maybe possibly maybe it's just Maybe it's it is worth
1: thinking. it is worth mentioning though Dave a couple of them do still have it um the the oh, redemptor yeah the redemptor's got it um and i think the brutalis as well um, but you're absolutely right um there's no there's not like a blanket uh, this is a Dreadnought. it's minus 1 um, damage uh, but some of them have managed to keep um, the damage reduction yeah it's just the redemptor oh okay is, it's pretty solid. All the dreadnoughts have two plus saves as well. Um,
0: yes, is, uh, yeah. So they've their 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 survivability is still there, but it's not in this. Oh, you you think you rolled really well with your damage? Nope. Minus one, yeah. minus one, minus one, minus one. So that's not gonna be a thing anymore. Which I think is probably healthier for the game. Yeah, agreed. Um. Uh. And then a uh, quick note of drop pods. I think this was mentioned in a Warcom article. I can't remember, mm. but. Um, drop pods are no longer limited to you can only use them on firstborn marines so you, primaris are free to come out of drop pods now um, the nice. only thing that they can't the, you, you can't have centurions jump pack models gravis armor none of the none of the extra heavy stuff you're not having terminators coming out of a drop pod um, but you could have you certainly have 10 hell blasters come out of a drop pod if, if that idea teases anybody 10 infernus um, marines 10 Infernus Marines, if you want to just come out, absolutely flame the bejesus out of somebody. Yep. Or um, six
1: blade guards with a captain and lieutenant attached. I hadn't gotten to that thought yet. And now that's I'm kind of stuck on cool. that thought. All right, that's very cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to have dreams about that now. Thank you. <laughs> um, so anyway, and of course, they still have drop pods can still come down in turn one if you are so inclined. So... Um, Yeah, so drop pods are just that much more flexible and that much more interesting now that they can offload, you know, all the uh, Primaris Marines that, that aren't in some kind of special kind of armor. And then, Mike, you wanted to say something about the repulsors?
1: Yeah, so the Giant Tank, the Repulsor, Executioner uh, specifically. Um, so uh, this is, I mean, it's it's, it's big, it's tough. It's tw- toughness 12, 3-up um, save, 16 wounds. Uh, and OC5, interestingly, so these vehicles really can play the objective game. Um, this guy gets um, plus one to hit against any targets that are below half strength. More importantly is your weapon choice. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the heavy laser destroyer uh, very briefly. So it's got the heavy keyword, which means you'll get plus one to hit with it if you stay still. Uh, and with a 72-inch range, once you found the right firing spot, you're probably okay to do that. It's two shots, uh, threes to hit, or twos if you stay still, or use its ability. Strength, <clears throat> 16. AP4. D6 plus four damage. It's just silly. Uh, that- that's a minimum of five um if you have a vehicle or monster that doesn't have an invulnerable safe hide because this thing is just gonna nail it um and of course it's a repulsor so it's got like 20 other guns as well including yeah. um onslaught gatling cannons with built-in devastating wounds um so yeah you're gonna have uh These guys are good and the transport capacity is six as well. Uh, And all transports like the drop pod, um, you can have like firstborn or or whatever you want in there. Um, But if you want anti-tank, this is the anti-tank tank tank for the space Marines.
0: Yeah. And, and Gravis models and Terminators take up uh, the space of two models of those six. So you could still have a squad of three Gravis Marines still come out and mop up whatever little shreds of whatever the executioner didn't kill so yeah. if it gets close enough so yeah that the the repulsor is I think definitely something that somebody's gonna put on the table and and run shenanigans with um all right uh did you want to just touch on I think the with the aircraft all of the aircraft yeah. have hover correct
1: uh most of them uh, I think the stormhawk interceptor is more of a fighter. Uh, style plane, so it it doesn't have hover. Um, No, it does. I just pulled it up. Oh, it does? Oh, okay. It has hover too. All three of them have hover. Excellent. Nice. So so what hover means is that you can choose to forego the aircraft keyword or remove it from your data sheet uh, and can therefore start... Uh, and deploy on the table uh, in the first turn. If you have the aircraft keyword, um, you do have to start in strategic reserves. And there's a whole host of other rules um, that prevent you from interacting um, with uh, models on the battlefield in any way. But a hover unit doesn't have the aircraft keyword. Um, and, uh, well, we all know that you can get out of a transport after it's moved. Right. The um, Storm Raven. Is a transport, and as uh, so, when aircraft hover, their movement characteristic has changed to twenty. So you could go twenty inches with a Storm Raven and drop off not just an infantry squad, but also a dreadnought. Um, and that I like that. I like that. And I think um, you're absolutely right, Dave. I think aircraft um, could have a resurgence. I definitely would look at aircraft myself um, to get across the board. Yeah,
0: I mean, the I like the Storm Talon Gunships Twin Assault Cannon with, yeah, it only has six shots, but with devastating wounds and twin links, so you're going to be re-rolling and fishing for sixes to, to pump out some mortal wounds. So, kind of like that. All right, that kind of wraps up all the data sheets. Um, everything else is in there. We will leave it to you guys to uh, to look at it, check it out, just mull over, like I said, the 122 different data sheets that are in there. So, obviously, if you're a Space Marine player, Tons of information for you to look at. If you are not a Space Marine player, normally we would say, hey, you should pick up a copy of the Codex and kind of get an idea of what you know, you're know you going to be facing. But hey, you can just download these cards and go over them uh, as a little light bathroom reading if you're so inclined. Or when you come to your first game, your opponent's going to be required to have those data cards. You can just look at their data cards when they're set up on the, across the table from you. So, which, you know, kudos to, to GW for, for doing that. Absolutely. So... Uh, before we take another break, real quick, uh, Mike, let's touch on stratagems and enhancements. Okay. Uh, which one you want to do first? Enhancements?
1: Um, yeah, let's do the enhancements first. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've got Artificer Armor, uh, which gives you a 2 plus save and, and Pain 5 plus. Um, great on that Gravis Captain I mentioned uh, earlier, who already halves damage. Very nice. Yep, very nice. Uh, we've, we've got the Honor Vehement, uh, which gives you an extra attack and strength to your melee weapons. Um, and if you're in the assault if the bearer is under the effects of the assault doctrine you get plus two to the attacks and strength characteristics Um, for this look at your primaris captain um, or your firstborn captain because once per game they can get plus three attacks and devastating wounds so in the assault doctrine you can have plus five attacks and devastating wounds um, on those characters so a couple of cool combos for you there Adept of the Codex, um, a bit more tactical one, um, pun intended. So instead of taking a combat doctrine for your army, you can choose the tactical doctrine, but it only affects the bearer's unit, um, even if uh, you've already done tactical doctrine earlier in the game. So uh, I guess it's it's kind of cool. So captain model only, but your unit's basically for three turns of the game going to be in tactical doctrine. Well, eh, not bad. Yeah. The final one, though, this is the spice, Dave. Bolter discipline.
0: Oh, this is the spice. This, this is
1: the spice. Oh yes. Um, so, when the bear is leading a unit, range weapons in that unit uh, have the sustained hits one ability. So sixes cause an additional hit. In addition, while the bearer's unit is under the effects of the Devastator Doctrine, um, they get critical hits on successful unmodified hits of five plus. So fives and sixes will explode. Fives and sixes will explode. Combine that with like your oath of moment, and uh, you can be sure to hit well above your weight. Um, yeah, with with those combined, uh, and then the, the stratagems actually uh, do uh, allow for a few more uh, nasty combos.
0: Yeah, and and the funny thing was, like, I read the first time I read this, I was like, "All right, bolter discipline." So it works on bolter weapons. No. no, 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 no. It works on anything. It's called bolter discipline. But you can also call it, you know, plasma eliminator and inciner- plasma incinerator discipline because you can stick this on a character and put him in a squad of 10 hell blasters yes. and have them have exploding fives and sixes in the devastator doctrine. I mean, yeah. oh, yeah, you could uh, uh, something's going to get vaporized,
1: but you could also put it with desolators. But um, let's not dwell on that. Let's let's um,
0: let's not go there. Do that's, something cool, guys. That's do we don't need cool. that kind of name, veterans.
1: Mike. That's cool. Yes, do it on them.
0: Stargard Ventures absolutely would be cool. Um, all right. So moving on to, to uh, we're going to put that negativity behind us. We're going to talk some strats. Uh, only in death is duty end, Mike. Take it away.
1: All right. 2 CP, expensive, um, but you're going to fight after you've died in combat. Nice, simple, very effective. Um, very effective if you've also got a, maybe a captain uh, that could do it for free in addition to someone else doing it. That's a a bit of a a nightmare for any melee armies out there.
0: Yeah. And especially if uh, maybe you have an apothecary in that squad too, because he can bring back um, one model per command phase for free. Mm. Foe free. So, um, yo, you killed a couple of my blade guard. I'm going to put one back. Nice. So, yeah. And uh, unlike a lot of fight on death abilities, um, you don't have to roll to see if it goes off. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Honor the chapter.
1: Honor the chapter. Okay, so fight phase, um, your melee weapons for your unit get the Lance ability, which is plus one to Wound if you charged. Uh, And if your unit is in the Assault Doctrine, uh, you get an extra AP on all of your weapons as well. Now, you mentioned your um, selected troop choice, Dave, of Assault Intercessors. Uh, Yes. This thing takes them to another level. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, I like it. Love it.
0: All for one, the 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 bargain basement cost of one CP. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the return of the gloriousness, the thing that made half of all 40k players, you know, wrapped with joy, and the other half grown, Armor of Contempt. Except now it's a strat.
1: Yeah. One command point. Yep. Reduce AP by one for incoming attacks. Yep. It's exactly
0: what you remember Armor of Contempt being from 9th edition. Mm. Just reduce incoming AP
1: by one. Per- uh, and it's even better now because 10th has reduced the AP on a lot of weapons um, Yes, across the board. So this thing is nuts. Um, and there's a lot of 2 plus armor saves in this index. This is going to get used a lot. Yeah. Yep. And I think you can, because uh, aggressors
0: have the, I think it's aggressors or heavy intercessors have that ability that um, if they're targeted by an attack that has an AP of zero, They get plus one to their armor save, so Mm. I think you could probably combo this too to reduce someone's incoming attack from AP one down to AP zero. Yeah, now you're the the unit's going to be saving on twos,
1: so that's nice too. Um, One important note for anybody that is interested in using this stratagem: um, when it comes to cover, just be careful because the benefits of cover don't apply um, if it's an AP zero weapon and you have a three plus armor save. Okay, so if someone's shooting you with an AP1 weapon and you have a 3-plus armor save, the benefit of cover gives you plus 1 to your save. You'll be on a 3-plus save overall. Um, if it's an AP1 weapon, as, as I've just said, but you use armor of contempt, it makes AP0, and then you don't get cover anyway, you're still on a 3-plus save. So um, just be aware that if it's you know AP1 um, and there's cover involved, armor of contempt may actually just be a waste. It may not actually do anything. Um, so just bear that in mind. Yeah, save your CP. Uh, mm.
0: possibly for adaptive strategy.
1: Oh, you know it. This one, command phase, pick one of your units, pick a doctrine. They get that doctrine uh, instead of whatever's active for your army. Okay. You want exploding fives on whatever unit the entire game, you spend this stratagem every turn. Hell, do it for free if you've got a captain in there. Now we're talking.
0: Yep. Yeah. Now we're talking
1: lots of exploding fives and sixes on that one unit. Yep. Mm. Love you it. You could push them, though. You could push them, Dave, to another level with Storm of Fire. All right? So in your shooting phase, their range weapons gain ignores cover, and if they're in the Devastator Doctrine, they get an extra AP on those shots as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's silly and i love it i mean yeah. i am here for it that is i think the biggest wombo combo in this index
0: yes i i think you've just hit it i hadn't even factored in storm of fire on it that's that's amazing uh all right and then uh squad tactics last but not least
1: yeah so your opponent's movement phase after an enemy unit ends a normal advance or fullback move um, you can select one of your units, an infantry or mounted unit, within nine inches of the enemy, and they can make a normal move of D6, um, or if the tactical doctrine is active um, for that unit, you can move six inches. Um, but you can't choose a unit that's in uh, in combat, in engagement range. Um, but yeah, this this wombo combo unit, if your enemy gets a little too close, just use this strat and maybe run away a little bit.
0: Yep. Just I'm just gonna scoot a little bit. You're 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 lining you know? up a charge with your world eaters. I'm just going to scoop back a little bit and make sure that you have a, an 11 or 12 inch charge that not, you know, not, not the, the six or seven inch charge you thought you were lining up.
1: Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Um, so one last thing I'm just going to cover as the, the sort of Royal rules, um, uh, the expert here, not quite the lawyer, uh, that's Dave's job. Um, but bolt discipline, um, when you've got the fives exploding, and this is common across a lot of different abilities, um, the, the core stratagem Overwatch uh, requires you to hit on a six. plus. Now, um, if you've got an ability like this, the fives don't do anything. Okay, um, You might think, oh, a five scores an additional hit, but maybe the, the roll of a five itself doesn't hit. It has to be a successful unmodified hit roll of five in order to trigger. Um, the 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 sixes the sustained hits in this case um so just be aware that that ability won't stack with overwatch all right just important to mention that
0: yeah um and with that um let's talk overall play style mm-hmm. is there an overall play style for one hundred and twenty two data sheets with this kind of flexibility
1: um I mean yeah, I, there's so many different ways you could play the army. Um, It's really up to your taste. You could go all in on armor. You'd still be fine. Um, You could go in on just the elite elements, your terminators, um, or you could, you know, play a a wider game um, and play towards maybe some of that movement, board control. This is an incredibly flexible army um, from the many data sheets uh, to the fact that you can, at any moment, if you've got command points or whatever, you can fall back and do whatever you want. You can advance and do whatever you want. Um, you're always able to be eligible to shoot. So you're always able to score tactical missions. Um, and of course you can play fixed missions just as well. So play style. Um, well, it's up to you. That's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, you, you can play melee, you can play shooting, you can
0: play a mix of the two to your heart's content. You can play all vehicles. If you want almost all, you could yeah, you pretty much could play all vehicles. You yeah, even throw, pretty much. Yeah, you need one character to throw Sergeant Cronus in a tank, and you can play all all Space Marine tanks if you want. So, um, yeah, lots of flexibility, lots of options. So, scoring the prim- obviously, w- with that said, you know, how does Space Marine score primary? How do they score secondaries? It's going to be kind of dealer's choice, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways to manipulate OC, to improve your own OC, as we've discussed. Um, and you've got ways of making objectives sticky. Um, and if you did go for the, the, the tank side of thing, vehicles now have OC values. A repulsor being OC5, you can happily hold and take objectives um, at a whim. Um, and with a, a very good leadership characteristic of 6 plus across the army, um, you're at a low risk of being battle shocked and becoming OC zero. So um, it's a very well um, balanced and versatile uh, weapon um, for holding objectives. Cool. Uh,
0: Any standout strengths and weaknesses for space Marines?
1: Um, So a major weakness is that there isn't a huge amount of defense against mortal wounds. Um, So the feel no pains uh, are not, uh, there's not a lot of them across the army. Um, the best option for you is a Chaplain Terminator who gives you a four up against Mauls. Um, but other than that, it's pretty limited. So if you can pack your own Devastating Wounds when you're fighting against uh, Space Marines, they'll go a very long way. But other than that, um, yeah, high AP. There's not a lot of invulnerable saves on a lot of the Space Marine units. So high AP is also another good uh, thing to bring against the Space Marines. Um, and strength-wise, flexibility. Just being able to deal with any situation, I think, for space marines.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, what about opportunities and threats?
1: Well, opportunities. So, um, as I've as I've mentioned, you can you can look at taking that chaplain in your big terminator brick um, to mitigate the damage from mortal wounds. Um, you can look at taking some of these aircraft or desolators um, to reach out and hit those units that you know um, can dish out mortal wounds to you. So, giving yourself some reach. To combat some of your uh, weaknesses um, and, and threats wise well um, there's not a lot of things that you can't sort of work your way around um, but you've got to be aware of um, you know maybe some of your units aren't particularly fast the repulsors for example don't fly um, so uh, making use of um, things like the Devastator doctrine correctly uh, is going to going to help you there
0: all right cool uh, and then last but not least you know normally here I'd ask you to talk about you know some deployment tips, but it's gonna be, it's gonna really come down to what your whatever list you're gonna come up with, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. I think um, this is an army where um, because you assign your characters um, in one of the steps just before the game, this is an army where that step might take a bit longer because um, you can preemptively choose um, when you're building the army list, but it is nice to have some flexibility on that front. Maybe you want a librarian in, in like your stern guard unit, or maybe you want a captain there, um, or maybe you want the librarian at the back of the field. Cause your opponent's got lots of anti-psycha keyword uh, stuff. Um, so, you know, um, lots of characters, lots of different things that they can join. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Cool. I, at this point, you know, I, I, I really want to, you know, I'm still, I'm looking down the pipe at Lone Star open at the end of July and trying to figure out what I'm going to play. And I got to say, I am, sorely tempted to to put my uh, imperial fists out on the table, even if it's just for one event um, at the start of 10th, just to go, all right, let's, let's see what space Marines can do and throw them all out there. But uh, before I make a decision, I feel like we got to finish up our review of all the other index cards that are coming out, which we will be covering in the next (laughs) couple of uh, weeks or so or over the course of the next month or so. Um, But uh, in the meantime, before we get to all that, let's uh, take a moment and hear from James from siege studios for another battle ready segment. All right, James, welcome back. And do I have a good question for you this time? I'm super uh, keen for
3: it. What is it?
0: Uh, what is, how important do you believe pre-shading is and and undercoat um, highlighting, things like that, is before you actually get to your base coating? When you're doing your um, you know, using white and black pre-shade and undershade, how important is that? Uh,
3: it, it totally depends on the stylistic execution that you're looking to, to do on the miniatures. So if I were approaching things to do maybe, for example, something akin to box art, so like the heavy metal style, um, that stylistic approach of miniature painting doesn't really use a pre-shade or a zenith uh, very much so. It's solid color, normally very bright, or the, one of the brightest colors, and then adding all the shadows on and adding the final highlight stages and details, etc. cetera. Um, Pre-shading tends to be done a lot more on sort of like almost like scale modeling and historical modeling, but it's been used obviously now in in the wargaming industry as well. Um, And that's kind of where it comes from originally is obviously scale modeling and more historical modeling. Um, nothing wrong with it. Different stylistic execution, completely. Obviously, it gives us a completely different result. It's about putting a filter layer over that Zenith that you that you execute on the model. So you're putting a tint to it, leaving the shadows, the midtones, and the highlights by by focusing the white paint brighter towards where light's coming from at the top, and then obviously graduating it and transitioning it down to the lower portions of the model to shadow. Um, one thing I will just just throw in here as well is like something that if you do uh if you do want to do zenithful painting or there's any full like sort of like pre-shading and that kind of stuff please do take real life into consideration i often see it when i judge at tournaments or when i uh, see sort of like people getting applications to paint for siege or warrior like um if you're gonna do that style there's nothing wrong with it again as i just want to say as a caveat but please make all your shadows the, the inherent color of the object i see far too many people leaving the shadows jet black um, if that model's in a cave and has a light above his head or like a torch or something above his head, like a flaming branch or something, the shadows would obviously be black because it's nighttime. But if you're in broad daylight, the, your, your shadows in your undersides, which are offset and angled away from the sun, are not jet black. It's just something to be be conscious of. Like if you're painting a, a, a red tank, the shadows will not be black during daylight. They will be a dark red. You know. So please do understand that when you do that filter layer, don't leave the bottom jet black So then when you put your filter layer over the top, the shadows are just black. They need to be a darker version of the inherent color of the object. That's something really important. If you're trying to emulate real life as much as possible using Xenophil highlighting or or pre-shading, if, however, you're trying to be really science fiction and have super high contrast, feel free to leave the shadows black. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going for realism, make sure the shadows are tinted to the, the color of the object as a shadow color. Um there's, there's real advantages with it because it allows you to sketch on where your shadows and highlights are. So you visually, you can see on the model before you start putting that filter layer on top of it, which, again, gives a lot of confidence to painters maybe that don't want to do it with a brush and would rather do it with an airbrush or a spray can, for example. Um, it's really, really good to uh, to just learn the learn volumetra- volumes of a miniature, so a sphere, a cylinder, and a cube, which I've mentioned in other conversations we've had before. Um but I personally prefer doing something which I call volumet- volumetric color modulation. Um, so uh, VMC, uh, sorry, VCM uh, is, is basically a, a way of applying three tones of paint to a miniature. So it's shadow color, a mid-tone and a highlight. And you start with the darkest color. So let's just say we're painting an, an ultramarine. We would go all over the model in cantor blue to start off with. We would then get a midtone blue, so let's think something like uh, enchanted blue, the old enchanted blue, or something very similar to that, like a very, very royal kind of looking blue, Prussian blue, something like that. Shoot that from a forty-five degree angle and wrap that onto the shadows, you know, making a nice, nice smooth transition from the mid-tone to the shadow. And then I'd get the the brightest color, so we could pick something like a Lotham blue or you know, an electric blue, and we'd shoot that from a ninety degree angle and just wrap that down towards the forty-five degree starting point of the midtone and blend that in nicely. As things get closer to to, this, uh, to the top or as things get towards the closer point of light or where light's coming from, they will obviously get brighter. So what you're doing by changing the angle as you're working the miniature is you're actually focusing the eye to follow where light is hitting the model and you're selling that that sort of lighting effect on the model. It's way more controlled because you're putting on each, each colour after each other, so you're doing, the, you're doing the shadow color all over the model. You're starting at 45 degree and then wrapping that down, obviously with a midtone, and then you're starting at 90 degree and you're shooting that down with uh, onto the onto the midtone. Each of those steps is way more controlled. If you make a mistake, you can go back and tweak it, and so on and so forth. It gives you way more control in executing. The one thing I would say, in my personal opinion, and this is purely opinionated about about Zenithal about or about, uh, about uh, pre shading, is that once you've put that pre shade or Zenith to the miniature and you start putting that filter layer on, if you haven't put enough of the brightest area in one area, that filter layer is going to cover everything, and then you've really got to do loads of work to brighten that area specifically. Whereas with, with uh, volumetric color modulation, every time you change color, you will have finished the previous color and got it to the point that you want it to be done to, so that you can literally control the process and the lighting effect all the way through through the three shades of, of the paint, or if you do five colors for highlighting, whatever the case may be. But Working incrementally through each of those colors from dark, mid, light will give you a way better, more controlled finish, in my personal opinion, than just doing a pre-shade.
0: And when you're talking about 45-degree angle, 90-degree angle, you're talking about if you're using an airbrush or a rattle can, the yeah, angle that you're yeah, hitting the model
3: at. Correct, yeah. Because the angle the angle represents where light is coming from, and the angle also makes sure that you catch specific areas of the miniature which at other angles you won't because they're overhung or they're they the the where you're the point of origin of the paint isn't going to hit that area if you follow me. So it just gives you way more control doing volumetric color modulation. Um, I, I I've done both both approaches when it comes to lighting miniatures. So obviously uh, uh, zenithal or pre-shading and also volumetric color modulation. And I genuinely prefer uh, VCM because it it just gives you way more scope and way more control as you're, as you're working each of the three paints or however many paints you've got in your highlighting stages of the miniature cool all right thanks very much man no worries i
0: will talk to you next week see you next week all right ladies and gentlemen that is it thank you for giving us your time and your attention we are obviously very excited to be back and talking about all these 10th edition uh indices uh next episode um you know with the we kind of have to uh talk about these as gw allows us to so um we will see what we can get to i'm not sure what what we're going to be releasing next but i can tell you whatever it is it's going to be awesome there are so many indexes to talk about 22 factions in the game now we are just getting started and there's a whole lot more to talk about so uh until then this is dave Callmill for michael costello saying if it bleeds we can kill it have a great week